This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Yes, tis I, back on the show where I dress up like Frankenstein one time a year, and this is it. How do you like my green makeup? In honor of Halloween this coming weekend, I've got the Frankenstein garb on. Today on the program, my guest is Kevin Harris, and he's helping church leaders engage members through small group mentoring, and we're going to find out a lot more about that process and system. We'll talk about that, and we'll have the eighth side of self, self-direction and improvement. That's all coming up on the Better Than Before show, brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 27 miles per gallon. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted and best overall brand for 2020. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and my guest today is Kevin Harris. He's the president of Radical Mentoring. He sets the vision and strategy for the company, serving as an evangelist to new audiences and invaluable resource to churches who've incorporated small group mentoring into their disciple-making strategy. As part of Reggie Campbell's second radical mentoring group in 2002, Kevin experienced a radical change as a husband, as a father, and Jesus follower, leading him to craft the purpose statement that has guided him since. 
I exist to glorify God by helping others unlock and apply their God-given talents and strengths. He grew up in Durham, North Carolina, and attended Furman University before moving to Atlanta. And then prior to joining Radical Mentoring, he led a sales team at Wells Real Estate Funds and served in sales positions at CNL and Atlas Energy. He and his wife, Susan, have two boys, Thomas and Bo, and he enjoys coaching his sons, cooking a good meal, reading a good book, and watching a good game. It sounds like we could be best friends. Kevin, welcome to the program. Tony, thank you so much for having me. Every time I hear somebody read that bio, which by the way, isn't a lot, I really feel like I'm a, I'm a pretty boring human, but um, I'm <laughs> glad you and I have a few things in common. Yeah. Every time someone reads mine, I feel exhausted. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like, I did what? Yeah, what did I do? Oh, man. Listen, Thanks for being on today, and I, I have a keen interest in uh, what you're doing, so I can't wait to hear more about it. How does this thing work? Tell, tell us a little bit about Radical Mentoring. Yeah, so, you know, we, you know our, our founder is a guy named Reggie Campbell. who he, Reggie just passed away earlier this year. Oh, sorry to hear um, that. But, you know, when I, I met him in 02, and, and really what the attraction was to um, a group like that was, you know, Reggie was just a business guy. He was a business guy who God had brought on a journey and who um, really just felt like he wanted to share that journey and that story and that message with younger men who were in the business world who just sort of felt like they needed a little bit more. And so, you know, Reggie just made himself available and, and we, we kind of had a journey together for a year. It was a group of guys. You know, most people hear mentoring and they think one on one. Um, Reggie's philosophy was he can be more impactful by inviting more people around his dining room table and really elevating the level of, um, I don't like the word accountability, but, you know, really elevating the level of accountability that these guys had to bring in, meaning they had to do our homework. We had to memorize scripture. We were reading books. We were really engaged in authentic community with each other. And um, it was just an unbelievably attractive thing for a young, newly married business guy like myself. And uh, that that sort of concept is the same thing we, we do today. And we really provide a model for uh, business leaders, for church leaders, for churches to um, really look at a process that allows them to take the men of their church or their business or their communities, take them a little bit deeper um, take them a little bit further, take them a little bit faster, but anchoring them in their faith and then helping them understand what that looks like in the context of all the areas that that faith flows into. And so it was really that model in 2002 that I got a hold of and uh, Reggie and I developed a great friendship. And then about five years ago, I joined him full time to really kind of help help grow and engage more people in this life-changing process. It, it sounds like a great program. As you look out at the landscape um, demographically for who you may be wanting to attract, who are you, who's in your sites out there that you want to bring into this program? You know, we attract, um, we really attract people from a lot of different areas. And the main attraction that I think people have with us is number one, they have got a um, they've got a story to tell, and that story oftentimes um, kind of comes out of some of the pain in their own lives or some of the poor decisions that they made in their own lives that they had to really um, go through a redemption process to really understand how to unpack those decisions and then how to 
shift the focus of their life moving forward. So they've got a story to tell, but the most important thing is they have a heart to want to give that story away to somebody who's a little bit further behind them. And so that could be, um, it can be pastors, it can be um, biz, you know, business guys. We have men that lead these groups because they really want to help guys who are about to enter this sort of, you know, enter the empty nesting part of their life. And they want to help them understand how they need to change their marriage focus when the kids move out of the house. But it really is about the availability and the willingness to share that um, really seems to be very attractive. When I think about the churches we work with, oftentimes they're churches that are growing really fast. They've got a vibrant community. They may not have enough leaders to help pour back into their church. And so they really want to develop a a process that's about discipleship, which is kind of the churchy word for it, but it's really ultimately the output is developing leaders because what they're doing is just pairing their existing leaders with a group of identified leaders that they really want to see as the next generation that comes behind. So it's willingness and availability and um, and just really a God-given desire to want to help speak into the lives of others. I know uh, a lot of the ministry guys that I'm connected with and, and talk to, they are fond of saying that this millennial generation and even this generation Z that's behind them mm-hmm. might be two of the most important generations that we need uh, in the church today. I agree 100%. There's been some great research out of um, the Fuller Institute out of California. It's called Growing Young. And what they've realized is, you know, so many people are um, you hear stories about people leaving the church, but they're not leaving Jesus, but they're frustrated with the church. And what this growing young research says is they've kind of looked at these churches that they would say have somehow figured out that, you know, not only are the, the Generation Z, you know, generation behind folks um, drawn into authentic relationships, you know, they really want to they really want to understand and learn and grow, but they want to really be in environments where they can um, authentically connect with others and connect up a generation. But they also, these churches have also figured out that they've got to bridge that gap. And once that gap is bridged, these are the churches that they really see are the ones that are growing and kind of moving forward and not getting stuck in some of the some of the traditions and other things where, you know, your, your highest givers are the only ones that can participate in elders meetings and other things. And they, 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 some churches unintentionally sort of create that, that community of people that give more and get more access. These other churches have figured out, man, if we don't get it right for the generation that's coming behind, if we don't not change our core message, but maybe change the presentation of that message, we're at risk of losing that generation. And by the way, it's not, again, it's not that these this that generation uh, loses their faith. They just have lost their interest in the local church because of all the b- bad reasons we all know. And, and and the reality is that you and I know that to, to live a Christian life in isolation goes against everything that God's called us to. And we've got to be in community. And, and I love the fact that you I mean, you're exactly right. You've got to get to that generation and really lean into it because they're dying to be engaged. They just want to find the right platform. Now, you did an exercise, and I've done this exercise with some of my coaching clients before, depending on the situation, but I've had a lot of success with it. You did an exercise that really changed your life. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? I do. I remember it well. 
I, it, um, and it was really, honestly, it was the exercise, and it was also the application that um, that Reggie used to decide who was going to be in his group. And I can remember, uh, this was probably in late 2001, I get an email from this Reggie Campbell guy, who, by the way, I didn't know. I was kind of connected to him through a friend. And all the email said was, write your obituary and send it back to me. And so as a, you know, know nothing but uh, think I know everything kind of guy, I scripted this obituary about what my kids would say about me and what my friends would say about me and what my career accolades would look like. And I scripted this thing and sent it back to Reggie. And the next email I got said, um, you're, you're in. I've accepted you into my mentoring group, be it my house and you know, the date of February something. I've got I still have my notebook of uh, 2002 is when I walked into his house the first time. But it was that obituary was what he used to uh, really make help make decisions about who he wanted to be in his mentoring groups. And and how did that change your thinking or how did that change your life? You know, obituary is really just a vision statement for your life. And so, you know, I think I would say to some degree at the time it, um, you know, actually at the time I didn't have kids. I was newly married and so I didn't even have kids. So I was putting some assumptions around um, what I wanted my kids to say about me, I was sort of, you know, identifying probably some of those, some of those idols that, um, I would have in work and money and, and other things that ultimately were less important. And I think what, what the attraction was to some degree in my, in that com early conversations with Reggie was not that my obituary was some beautifully framed Christian story that was this great narrative. It was probably that there were some things in that obituary where Reggie said, hang on, time out. You're, you're going to get this thing wrong. You're going to chase the career. And I see how you're laying out the titles of the things you've done in your in your work. And some of the titles and the things that you've done would led him to conclude that I was going to be chasing money and career fame and other things that were going to ultimately cause me to potentially sacrifice my family on the altar of my work and Reggie's heart was I want to catch these guys before they get too far down that road and they can't um, they can't get off that that treadmill and so for me that obituary statement identified some um, some really some poor poor theology and some some poor um, dreams and values that I was that I potentially might have later down the road, but it, it was just a really it was such a framing exercise because it did reveal some of those things and in, in my heart that I thought were good um, and I thought were noble and worthy. But somebody who was a little further down the road said, "Hang on a second, they might be good, but when you write them down and you think about the ramifications of what may happen as you make those decisions." you can't see the shrapnel that you may leave behind you. But I, as a guy who have been a little bit ahead of you, I can see the potential of where you might get off the, off the rails on this. And so it just was a real critical exercise that I have the guys that I mentor today go through the same thing. That was 18 years ago. And, uh, yeah. and now here you are uh, leading the whole organization as the president. What was that journey like? You know, it was, uh, <laughs> It was a journey, as you read in that bio, and, and I think part of the reason I get chill bumps when I hear that bio is it does take me back to some of the decisions I made. You know, I what I loved about my relationship with Reggie was he would he was not going to tell me I was wrong. He was going to let me sort of 
um, step into areas of my life. We had a formal mentoring relationship for 12 months that developed into almost 20 year friendship. But, you know, I was on the, you know, the sales management track and the sales track. I was chasing all the things that I learned in that year with Reggie. And I could tell you, I've, you know, heard in sermons and seminars and other things for years was, you know, if, if you make a decision for something, you're giving up something else. And so I was making decisions that were about Sky Miles and Marriott points and eating dinner at nice restaurants and all those, you know, all those things that feel like they're adding up to something. But I could justify the Marriott points because I could use them to for a family vacation further down the road. And what ultimately happened with me, Tony, is I crashed. Mm. I mean, I was traveling every week. My kids were young. And then somebody, you know, I had went to some wise counsel and they said, no, traveling when your kids is when your kids are young is really smart and sage. And then they they forgot to tell me that the kids would get older and then I'd ultimately have to, you know, kiss them goodnight the night before. And then ask me if I was going to be home the next morning. And I would say, no, I'm heading to the airport after this. or I've got to get up early and go to the airport. And they, the kids began to ask really hard questions and I was stuck. You know, as a young, worldly successful business guy, um, I was stuck on a path that I couldn't get off of because I was, I was in the rat race and I crashed ultimately in about 2013. I had a um, literal, literal come to Jesus meeting where I had crashed into depression and um, had really beaten myself up a little bit. And Reggie began to, you know, really sort of speak back into my life a little more because I would he was always a trusted source. And as God began to build me up and my friendship with with Reggie just kept growing and growing about seven years ago, he said, hey, I've got this crazy idea that um, I'd love for you to consider joining me in radical mentoring. And then God began to kind of piece the story back together of how I prayed that um, in, in many ways, Reggie would be my exit strategy. But in my mind, it was he was going to buy a business and was going to need a sales and marketing guy. And um, and that that would be my, you know, my exit out of the business world. And, and God said, remember that that sort of dream you had? Well, it may not be playing out exactly like you wanted it to, but. I had a bigger story for you. And so that um, that really started that journey to get me into radical mentoring and where I am today. You know, Kevin, I, I kind of discovered it during my management career, but uh, I, I often tell my clients, look, you've got four tools on your tool belt. You've got leadership, you've got management, you've got coaching, and you've got mentoring. And, you know, we don't hear very much about mentoring, and I don't think a lot of people know a lot about mentoring. I think people have thought, you know, I'd like to mentor someone, I think. You guys kind of have a whole organization here where you teach people, you know, how to do that correctly. What what are some of the qualities of a good mentor? Yeah, I love it. You know, we talked about a few of them earlier, um, that being available is one. You know, obviously, uh, if, if you're going to be willing to to take some of your experience and pour it back into the lives of others, you've got to make yourself available to do that. So it requires some sacrifice on the mentor's part. One of them is a willingness to share. You know, when we sort of um, start our groups, we really get these uh, mentors to share their stories, which in many ways um, helps these mentees coming in behind them to understand that. This is going to be a different environment. This is going to be a place where um, 
where where you're going to want to be known and you want to be fully known because because I know and, and and you know Tony that when you can create a safe space for men to speak openly about those sort of things um they will ultimately get to a place where they're able to open up their lives to other people so that's a, obviously a really important part of it uh they've got to be um humble you know it is really it is not about the uh, amount of things that they know um they're not there to impress these mentees with their accolades they've got to be great listeners you know we 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 believe that the mentoring model is a facilitation model um, it's one that Jesus modeled for us. Um, so it's got to be one where they are not there to tell everybody what they know for a period of time. They are there to really uh, help facilitate the conversations and talk to these guys about um, their life experience and where they've been and how can they speak backwards into their lives to help these guys understand what their um what their lives may look like. And so it's really that combination of being willing and available, being humble enough to share their their story and their pain and being willing to listen and facilitate those conversations are really the key things that make a great mentor. You know, it's not about what you know, it's really is truly about your your life story and your experience comes out of your life story and it's out of your story where you're able to then speak back into these guys' lives. You know, uh, almost any statement that's fill in the blank of who was the best blank right mm-hmm. you can all you can put jesus in there for just about you every one it. of yeah. them right so it's let's just say that jesus was the best mentor so you got it tell me how was he the best mentor can you give me some examples i love it yeah you know jesus was um a couple of things we see he was on purpose you know he knew it was about helping others live a full and abundant life uh, he was selfless you know, he, he, there was not much he got out of it personally. Um, he was responding to what God had called him to do. Um, one of the unique things that we see is that he did mentor in a group. You know, we think one-on-one and mentoring, Jesus really knew that it was, it was the combination of him leading a group and the interaction of the others in the group that created that community. And then we know he had a smaller group inside of that. He handpicked his mentees. Yes, he he was the originator of peer groups. You got it. He started <laughs> it right there. He he had a short period of time. He his was three years. We believe our groups are most effective if they go for nine to twelve months. Wow. He was he was on top of scripture. He um, understood the power of both Old Testament scripture and how to help these guys understand the context and apply it and, and live some of those things out moving forward. He was obviously uh, incredibly gifted at praying. He modeled a prayer for life. He taught his guys how to pray. He modeled his faith transparently. I mean, he was with them. He lived his life out in front of them. Um, They saw his struggles. They saw how he handled stress. They saw how he handled dying. He taught along the way, very practical. They were committed to each other. You know, we want our mentees to um, be fully committed to these groups. You know, our model is you meet once a month for three hours. And if you're going to commit once a month for three hours, you'll be on time. You will um, do all the work. We're going to have some homework assignments that are involving practical application where you send these guys out to work on their marriages and they come back and they reconnect in these groups a month later and get to talk through some of those things. The other thing Jesus did is he required multiplication. He wanted these guys to pay it forward. And it was that model that from one to 12 to 
to the, the Christian world that we live in today, it was really a multiplication model that pushed its way out of that initial one on really one to 12 and then one to three kind of an environment that Jesus had created. So one of your principles is more time with fewer people equals greater kingdom impact. How's that work? You got it. Yeah. So it's really, you know, that that's what Reggie would say was the thing that was so um, life-changing for him was, you know, if, if somebody calls you a mentor, um, Tony, if, if, if I say, hey, Tony Richards is my mentor, what that probably means, Tony, is you are a mentor to lots of other people. Lots of people are calling on you. You're having lots of breakfast. If you were in Georgia, you'd be going to all the Waffle Houses in town <laughs> having coffee, and you'd be pouring your life out to that particular person across the table from you. And what, what Reggie began to realize and what we really try to get these mentors to understand is why do for one if you can do it for many? And so why don't, you know, Reggie's, Reggie's philosophy was I have eight seats around my dining room table. I'm going to invite eight guys into this mentoring process so that when I'm pouring my life out, I'm not pouring it out to one person. I'm not trying to solve his real problem of the day. I'm just very intentionally giving my life away to this group of eight rather than just trying to wear myself out, trying to serve the needs of lots of other people, helping them with lots of other issues. I want to get to the core, which is their faith and their identity. I want them to understand who God is and how God sees them. I want them to understand how that impacts their marriages and their parenting and their workplace and their communities. And so it was a really intentional process that grew from this idea that I just want to invite more people in so I can leverage my time, leverage my in, leverage God's impact through me, and then also grow that multiplication a little bit further out. I mean, it's perfectly clear how this develops and, and grows um, the guys in the groups and stuff. But I've heard you say the church doesn't need more people. It needs more committed people. So mm -hmm. how does this how does this help that? How does it tie back to the church? Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, if, you know, if the church is giving this ministry or identifying this opportunity to kind of pour into its next generation of leaders, what will happen is, is those men, those mentees experience authentically what it's like to live a life dedicated to Christ, dedicated to their families and their communities. When God gets a hold of their heart, yes, they may give more. And we see that kind of happening in these groups that men begin to give more, but God begins to get all of their heart. And so when the church is creating that authentic experience, the church is then also able to say, hey, where do you want to serve next? Because what they're doing is they're finding developed, willing people who are committed to the promises of the local church, they're committed to give back to the church and serve that church. And so it just begins to create this cycle of you've got a group of men, whether it's one group or 10 groups who have read the same books, had the same experiences, memorized the same scripture. And you've got this sort of band of brothers mentality where these guys will then be so committed to each other, their group and the church, that they'll be willing to really press into how can they lean and lead into the church and make it a better place for themselves, their families, and for other people in the generation around them before and behind them. Kevin Harris, he's president of Radical Mentoring. And um, growing up in uh, Durham, North Carolina, you've got to be a basketball fan, don't you? It is my favorite time of year. <laughs> um, I know I'll offend a few people. I'm a Duke fan. Uh, um, so I, I know that, you know, 
that doesn't always land well, especially with folks from North Carolina. But um, well, I don't want to stir the pot or anything. But I grew up in Kentucky. Okay, see, there you go. But you, you don't you, you don't offend me. I love it. My doctor went to Duke also, and I, I got a little um, running thing with her going. You know, uh, I love it. But yep. uh, it's funny though, being when I moved to Georgia, my wife's entire family went to the University of Georgia, except for her. We met at Furman. But when I grew up in Durham, I mean, nobody gave two flips about Duke football or any any football. So coming down here, it was like the shift. And, and but here, nobody cares about Georgia basketball. So it's all this. Yeah. You know, it's like I've lived in two different worlds. Well, there there are classy fans don't care, but I mean, there are still people who are uh, Christian Leitner's not welcome in Lexington. But uh... I think that's probably fair. <laughs> but still, I mean, what a ball game that was! I mean, uh, it was a classic. I remember where I, I was babysitting that night. It was on my birthday. Oh wow! It was on my birthday, and I was sitting uh, watching it with my father and my mother. And uh, my dad's last words of the evening were, that didn't count, did it? <laughs> and then when we knew that it did count, he just got up, didn't say a word, went straight to bed, turned out the light, didn't say anything else. So listen, uh, I've got some rapid fire questions that I like to ask every guest who comes on the show. And so I'll throw these at you. And then I want you to tell everybody a little bit more about how I get in touch with you. Okay. You got it. All right. What's the best memory that immediately comes to mind for you? Oh, wow. Um, goodness gracious, the immediately comes to mind, I would say, would be, um, I'll say the birth of my kids, um, which is, and I won't tell you which one I can remember because they were both equally uh, equally as important, but these two boys of mine, uh, they're, they're pretty special. Who's the number one hero in your life? I'm going to say it's Reggie Campbell. You know, my dad passed away when I was in high school and, um, you know, Reggie came into my life at a time when I, when I, God knew I needed a, a, a mentor a little further ahead of me. And, uh, we just had a beautiful, uh, father son like friendship for almost 20 years. My wife just put a note in front of me and said that he's the only Christian Kentucky pastors don't like <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Leitner. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. What is the top value you subscribe to? Integrity. I do. I tell my boys, um, you know, that you, you know, people can take a lot of things away from you and talk about you behind your back, but you, uh, it's, it's who you are when the, when the doors are closed, and nobody can see it. it's living the life that, uh, the kind of life that Jesus would call you to live. Integrity is really important. Who's the most important person in your life? It's my wife, Susan. She's a rock star, married 20 years uh, this September. How'd you meet? We met at Furman. You know, Furman's got this crazy statistic that uh, like over 70% of Furman students marry other Furman students. Is that so, so I met her her first day on campus. We were friends for three years, and then um, we, we started dating into my senior year and her junior year. So wow. we, we've been around each other for 25 years. Wow. Parents got to watch where they send their kids to school, right? That's want... right. Well, it's also... <laughs> really expensive so they really have to watch where they send them to school now yeah what's your favorite thing my favorite thing mm. um i'm gonna say it's my big green egg okay and you cook with it right i do yeah. i cook with it I, I love it which leads us to what's your favorite food 
Oh goodness. Um, you know, I love, I love a good steak, although I'm trying to really pay attention to all that stuff now, but I do love a, a really good ribeye steak is probably one of my favorites. Most beautiful place you've ever been to. Oh goodness. Uh, been to Greece. We went to, um, uh, we spent some time in Greece. Mykonos Island is one of the places we went to, and it is truly breathtaking. If you could describe success in one word, what would the word be? Can I use three words? Sure. I'll do a hashtag, because hashtags are all one word, right? Yeah, yeah. I call it winning at home, would be would be how I would define success. All right. How do you want to be remembered? I want to be remembered first for the kind of uh, husband I am, second for the kind of... Uh, dad I am and third for the kind of friend that I am. And if you could go back and talk to a young Kevin, what would your advice be? Well, uh, I would say, um, it's not as bad as you think. What's your favorite sound? Ooh, my favorite sound. I'm going to say that the sound of a, um, a, a baseball hitting a baseball bat. That's where I get to spend a lot of time with my boys, Yeah, you especially bet. their baseball bat. Yeah. And what's the best lesson you've learned? Oh, goodness gracious. Best lesson I've learned is um, that God's got you. You know, despite circumstances that may be good or bad, um, that, that God does have you and, and you're in the palm of his hand. And he's not surprised by any of this. Isn't it funny? You look back over your life and see all the times he's got you covered. But every time, it. yeah. every time it's forward looking, you have a tendency to freak out. Um, you got it. You know, it's just kind of crazy. Kevin Harris of Radical Mentoring. Tell everybody how they can find out more about this program. Yeah, the best way to find us, uh, Tony, is at RadicalMentoring.com. And you'll find our resources there. You can create a free account, which gives you access to everything that we've talked about today, sort of the process we um, we prescribe to churches and leaders and mentors, and, and we give all this away for free. We, we've been blessed uh, to have a ministry that's funded by men and churches who've been touched by it. And so you can find whatever you want about Radical Mentoring on that website, and you can find my information there. I'd love to connect with you. That's awesome, man. And listen, I'll be praying for you. Keep up the fantastic work and uh, keep uh, keep helping people. I love it, Tony. I'll uh, I'll do it. You keep doing the same. All right, man. Kevin Harris, Radical Mentoring. I'm Tony Richards, and I'll have more on Better Than Before right after this. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Room for up to eight passengers. Standard EyeSight driver assist technology. Standard symmetrical all-wheel drive plus up to 27 miles per gallon. Coming from Kelly Blue Book's most trusted and best overall brand for 2020. The three-row Subaru Ascent. Love is now bigger than ever. University Subaru. Homegrown and proud of it. See dealer for details. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Welcome back to this special Halloween week edition of Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards, and we're also up to the last component of my model, the eight sides of self. This is side of self number eight, self-direction and improvement. Let's review the first seven sides. So the first one is self-discovery. The second one is self-evaluation. The third one is self-awareness. The fourth one is self-regulation. The fifth one is self-esteem. The sixth one is self-confidence. And we covered last week the seventh one, self-sabotage. And this week, the eighth side of self, self-direction and improvement. You can uh, check out all those other previous seven sides in our archives on the last seven weeks of the show, Better Than Before, and uh, dive a little bit deeper on the model. So you can become inspired but not become dedicated. And a big part of self-direction is dedication. Being dedicated really means staying the course amid the storms that are going to come. It's not about discipline or motivation. Some people are inspired for a few minutes. Some people are inspired for a few days, motivated for a few days, maybe a few months, but dedicated for an entire lifetime. Dedication is a devotion to a certain way. In this case, the lifestyle of a high performer. In order to make the most out of yourself and discovering just how darn good you can be. Dedication is a deeper, stronger, more passionate level of commitment. Being dedicated is that spiritual space that embraces failures, fatigue, setback, mistakes, frustrations, suffering, and sacrifices along the way to be the very best you can be. It requires fundamental faith, fundamental trust, and fundamental confidence in the process because you can display patience and perseverance and you can also hope that today you're going to have those little victories that you need to sustain in order to accumulate them into a big win. This dedication does not have a schedule because you never know when a breakthrough is going to happen. could be in your next meeting or your next presentation or it could be next year even. Dedicated champions do not measure progress by how far or how fast. Instead, they're more concerned about the direction that their feet are pointed. Being dedicated means a willingness to do all that is required to grow and improve, even if sometimes you don't feel like doing it. High performers are aware that they are constantly being tested for their levels of dedication and commitment. They understand that the sky is the limit and they demonstrate never-ending devotion and commitment to what they deeply desire and want to achieve. Commitment is the major ingredient that separates those who break on through to the other side and experience personal greatness from those who do not. True dedication is a commitment to a cause, an ideal, or a goal that may be more crucial to you than whether you live or die. To test the level of your dedication and commitment, here's, a, here's just a little exercise you can do. What three things am I willing to do in practice, at work, or at home every single day to prove to myself that I am serious about my commitment to the office, the business, the family, and to my own personal improvement? Did you catch that? What three things am I willing to do in practice, at work, 
or at home every day to prove to myself that I am serious about my commitment to the office, the business, the family, and my own personal improvement. If working with a team, maybe you want to make sure everyone knows what each other's commitment is. Draw up a contract, maybe sign it, and use them for personal accountability and responsibility. You see, until someone is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance to draw back. There is one elementary truth that you can bank on, the ignorance of which kills countless ideas and splendid plans, that the moment one commits, then providence moves to. All sorts of things occur to help one that would never have occurred, incidents, meetings, and material assistance which no one could have dreamed would ever come their way. Begin it today. Amid all this talk about dedication, do not overlook the fun factor. It's easy to become way too serious in this stuff. Stay in touch with the process of winning like a high performer and build a bedrock of love for your profession and self-discovery. High performers love what they do, and fun best defined as the execution of a well-thought plan or doing the little things is an essential component of it all. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Sign up for our Monday morning memo. It's easy. Just go to our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. It's right on the front page. We just need your name and email address, and you're set to receive it every single Monday. You'll get big ideas. You'll get an article and a key question every single week to start you off Monday with the Monday morning memo. Also, brand new on our website, I've written two books. One's called The Big Idea. One's called Journal Like a CEO. You can now get the first chapter absolutely free. All you have to do is stop by there, put in your name, email address, and we'll send you the first chapter just almost instantaneously. You can read it. If you like it, maybe you'll want the book then. You can follow me on Twitter at TonyRichards4 and follow our company at ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and chief producer, William Foster, I'm Tony Richards reminding you to have a very safe and happy Halloween this weekend. And don't forget, everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.